It is October. The weather is starting to get chilly. And what goes on everybody's mind when the weather starts to drop? That's right, shrinkage. And shrinkage during decon is one of the most fearful things a guy can go through. But fear not. (laughs) But fear not, for we have a chilling solution to make it suck just a little less. Oh, yeah. You got to go over to First Line uh, Technology uh, because they are making some spooky, efficient, effective, and ready-to-tackle decon that is even up to minus 40F degrees. So don't let this decon haunt your nightmares. Mm, Make it suck less. (laughs) Visit firstlinetech.com slash the hazmat guys today and embrace the supernatural efficiency of hybrid decon. That sounds like very trainy right there. Well, you have to take training in order to understand even decon. So why not have us come in and do your training? Right. We bring the experience and not just plain boring trainers. We are coming with fresh content, not the same old stuff you've heard years ago. Every course is updated for fresh takes and emerging trends. So... You you have to know this takes a lot of time and effort, but that's what we do for you. Because we bring the best and cutting edge in cutting edge technology uh, in props and devices. We pair with other companies to bring opportunities that nobody else is bringing to you. We will absolutely guarantee that our instructors will keep you uh, engaged. And we are going to be the partner that is going to get you best fitted for the field. I love it. So don't let your potential go untapped. Go to the hazmatguys.com slash hire us and uh, live the dream, man. Yeah, we're back. Episode, Episode something or other. 416, I think. What does it say? I got to read the bottom <laughs> of the page. 416, yeah. 416. I'm still mind boggled that we have 416 episodes. It and just still, keeps going. I mean, literally tens of thousands of downloads. So uh, we're it. talking about incapacitating agents. Yeah, uh, but before man. we dive back into what this joint terrorism task force has put out uh, in the world that is happening today, uh, Bobby, where can they find us? Oh, my goodness. You you threw me under the bus again. God I damn. did. I <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm looking at it right now. Here we go. Conference board. Uh, we have um, in order. We have uh, Indiana. Indiana. That is coming up really soon. That's like in two weeks. Uh, we have Oklahoma State. Uh, we have Connecticut instructors. Uh, we have Florida. That's the next like five. I have probably about sixteen here. That's coming up before the before Baltimore. And I, I'm going to brag a little for you. Um, yes. Somebody that I know has got training with NASA. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that's pretty effing cool. Yeah, I got to I gotta go spit some fire at NASA <laughs> jet, a jet Propulsion Lab for a little while. Technically, you're listening to people who are part of the space program. Eh, maybe that's a bit <laughs> yeah, of an exaggeration. Cadets, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah. So uh, cool. in our previous episode, we were talking about incapacitating agents. We were talking about stuff that was put out by Joint Terrorism Task Force by the um, Intelligence Department here in the United States. If you are listening elsewhere in the world, 
Uh, and we had talked about hydrogen sulfide, and now we want to talk a little bit about hydrogen cyanide because hydrogen cyanide is one of those ones that lands within the category of these incapacitating agents and uh, what the Joint Terrorism Task Force put out. Yeah, I would say that the, the, the cyanide side of the house is a little more regulated and watched by the letter agencies and the people that are in governmental areas. But hydrogen cyanide is pretty badass, um, you know, you know. What was it back in the the early part of the 1900s and stuff like that? That was like a favorite way to poison people. You know, really? Do a little cyanide right in their cereal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like it's it's a little bit harder to hide nowadays. But if you're if listen, if you're pulling out your uh, your freak flag and you are going to be killing people, I, I think the least of your worries is people figure out that it was you. You're doing this. So one of the things that the hydrogen cyanide is surprisingly enough, it's flammable. You know, it's flammable in the air with a specific concentration of 4.7 to 40.7. And just to refresh you guys, I like narrow. Yeah, that's, that's this a really is relatively wide. wide. Yeah, so this, this means there's a lot of opportunity for it to go. If it can ignite and burn when exposed to an open flame um, with other sources, any source of ignition. So the flammable nature of hydrogen cyanide can increase the risks associated with the use and handling. Yeah, so as far as reactivity goes, hydrogen cyanide can react with a whole bunch of other chemicals. Uh, and in this reaction, it could lead to the formation of other hazardous compounds, which means not only are you going to be dealing with the hydrogen cyanide, but you're going to be dealing with other toxic crap yeah. that goes with it. Uh, this can be super dangerous. So uh, whenever you're dealing with the hydrogen cyanide, whether you're responding to it, whether you're trying to neutralize it, whether you're dealing with the precursor, uh, just remember that the potential exists for very much unexpected reactions to take place. Right. And going with what you said, incompatibilities, uh, it is incompatible with a large range of substances, including strong acids. Now, I will say that typically when we neutralize, we use weaker acids. We use a more, less, well, not more, more a less, uh, how am I saying this? Less strong. Less uh, strong. That, so a weak acid that disassociates? Yeah, that's less a better easily? word. Weak. Okay. Weak's a better word. That's a much better word. That's more gooder. <laughs> much more gooder. SMRT. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, when we go and we have hydrogen cyanide uh, mixture or a salt in liquid and you 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 introduce some type of contaminant, whether intentional or not, it can release a toxic gas or even a potential for explosions. Yeah, and it has such a low IDLH to it, and it is so volatile and such a highly mobile gas, it can disperse in the air and create a super toxic environment over a really, really wide area. Uh, this type of release would be extraordinarily difficult to control. Uh, you can't contain it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, your best bet in this case would be literally to make sure you monitor and either shelter in place or evacuate properly. Right. So... Let's talk about detection and indicators. So one of the things that we like to do, again, we're not promoting the nose, but the nose knows. And so when you have hydrogen cyanide, it does have a very distinct odor, often described as bitter almonds. The odor threshold for hydrogen cyanide is the lowest concentration at which it can be detected by most people, not everybody, um, is generally between the two and five parts per million. However... Once again, it is not detectable by everybody as a significant portion of the uh, population lacks the ability to perceive it due to a generic variation in their mutant uh, receptors. Typically, those people can fly. 
Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that that is an awful Darwin mutant. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your mutant superpower? I can't I can smell, smell poison. I can oh. I can smell bitter almonds. Oh, that's great! Wow, that's <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> so, if uh, you are part of that population that can't smell it, how would you detect it? That's a joke because even if you do smell it, don't use your nose to detect it. It has an IP between 10.2 and 12.6, depending on you know what reference you're looking at. So you may or may not pick it up on your PID. Um, a really good chance it's going to be a cross-sensitivity on your CO. Electrochemical sensors are going to pick it up. Uh, your AP4C is going to be able to pick it up. Many of your... Um, like your sound acoustic wave or surface acoustic wave will be able to pick it up. Your your ChemPro with its fuzzy technology will be able to pick it up. So luckily, hydrogen cyanide is able to be picked up in uh, in a variety of circumstances. Um, and that is, of course, if you have not identified the fact that there are precursors floating all over the place. Because if you get on scene and you actually can recognize some of the precursors that are floating around, uh, you might be able to deter an event from happening uh, or know to throw in your mask because something is coming down the pipe. So what are some of these things that I would see floating around? Well, one of the actually easiest to get is sodium cyanide. Uh, and it is, it is one of the most common precursors for HCN because all I have to do is let it react with an acid where it will hydrolyze and and release the HCN gas. And right below that guy is the old potassium. So you can get potassium cyanide. It's very similar to the sodium cyanide. And when you react with a acid or even moisture in some cases, it will again release hydrogen cyanide. Yeah, uh, cyogenic cyanide is going to be another precursor that HCN can easily form with the reaction of something just like hydro, uh, sorry, not hydrochloric gas, but chlorine gas with hydrogen cyanide. Yeah. Um, you can even have hydrogen chloride. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, bromide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm wrong. Cyan cyanogen bromide is used in chemical process and can release hydrogen cyanide upon decomposition or reaction with water. Yeah. Something like uh, formonitrate, uh, nitrile. Uh, that is a hydrocyanatic acid. I didn't think I was going to be able to pronounce that properly. Ooh. Uh, which is a really simple precursor for hydrogen cyanide, uh, and it readily is going to evolve HCN gas upon just heating or just exposure to moisture. Right. Now, <laughs> peach pits. Peach pits? Do you remember? I don't know why this just popped in my head. Is the uh, Remember 90210, the Beverly Hills, the TV show when we were growing up? That was yeah, the yeah. diner they used to have, was the peach pit. I always thought about cyanides. Anyway. Peach pits, cherry pits, they're very similar to the bitter almonds, and the pits of certain stone fruits contain amylignin, which can release cyanide when ingested. However, the cyanide levels in these pits are typically low and not significant consumed if they are in moderations. Yeah, uh, bitter almonds, almond extracts would ah, kind yes. of fit into this as well, right, as long as we're talking about food. Now, this kind of lands within the realm of... Um, when we talk about explosive labs and somebody storing urine, like you're not going to get a ton of hydrogen cyanide precursors from peach pits or bitter almonds. You would need huge quantities. But if I walked into somebody's house and they've got buckets and buckets of peach pits or almond extract, that may you know kind of throw up a sign that, hey, something is is going on. And while I'm in there going, holy crap, look at all of those peach pits, I'm going to be like, 
this guy have any equipment that can be used for 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 yeah. generating or pulling out what they need for the hydrogen cyanide um it is a controlled reaction so we can control it with certain equipment uh chemical reactors and vessels can be used to facilitate these reactions uh generally if you're going to see equipment floating around like that it's going to be with precursors of sodium cyanide or potassium cyanide as well as acid right and you can even have gas scrubbers, which I don't think a lot of people are going to know what those are. But in industrial settings, gas scrubbers may be used to capture and contain any hydrogen cyanide gas that's con- that's generated. And so they use these scrubbers as a chemical solution to neutralize or capture that gas. Right, which you may be like, okay, well, what do I care? But what if you're what if you're a police department and some industry down the road just got their gas scrubber stolen? That might be a red flag, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, huh, hello. Uh, fume hoods. You know, fume hoods are used in laboratories. They uh, basically allow you to safely produce this stuff without killing yourself. Uh, so if you walk into an area, uh, not only the generalized lab equipment, uh, but also a fume hood, that should give you an indication right away that something really nasty is being made. Remember that these areas are going to have continuous detectors and monitoring you know designed for this environment so these these devices are designed are hopefully going to give you some early warning of leaks or releases yeah some if you see personal protective equipment in an area that generally wouldn't have it uh, because if you're going to try to produce hcn between the gases the poisonous gases and the acids that are being used you're probably going to see some ppe floating around right so uh, chemical resistant gloves face shields respiratory protection all those things in a location where they shouldn't be is generally going to start to indicate that there's something going on now, if you're arriving on scene and you need to initiate some isolation and control, well, there's really very little that you can do for containment measures, right? We've already talked about gases right. as being almost impossible con- to contain. Uh, you may be able to turn around and lower concentrations in a certain area if people have to, to work. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to be going through your normal SOP evacuation procedure. I hear you. I, I totally hope. hear you. But you know what? I hear you because we're using the CAVCOM new Talk Through Your Ears 5000. It's a two-way radio accessory for in-suit communications, the finest on the market. Yeah, and if uh, you've ever been able, had the privilege of using one of these, they are super lightweight, super compact, no batteries are required. It's powered by the radio that you already have, and it's going to snap into any, this is important, any SCBA ensemble. Yeah, that's it. It really, listen, as somebody that's actually used it, it's pretty cool. Um, we are probably going to do like a little unboxing show soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but I actually want to do check some out. on-air stuff with it. Uh, you have to check out the Talk Through Your Ears 5000. It keeps your required components all to a minimum. All you need is your radio, CAVCOM's oversized push-to-talk uh, control unit, and the universal fit ear set. It's that simple. So go check out CAVCOM and tell them where you found out about this stuff because uh, they're lighting the world on fire. Speaking, Speaking of, of lighting the world on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um Let's get into the signs and symptoms of exposure, like acute exposure, hydrogen cyanide. You're going to get your respiratory uh, distress, like hydrogen cyanide interferes with the body's ability to use oxygen, leading to rapid breathing, shortness of breath, and chest pain. Yep. Uh, Headaches, right? Mm, You're going to start to mess up 
you know, the, 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 the brain. So you're going to experience severe headaches, dizziness, confusion are all part of a hydrogen cyanide exposure. Count on the nausea and vomiting. Uh, altered mental status, right? People are going to be walking through, not having a freaking clue what's going on. <laughs> and you can feel weak, fatigued, and lethargic. Cherry lips and skins are clear ah. signs, right? You have all these other symptoms, and then you have the, the those That's red cherry lips. You're like, right then and there, you could be like, I need to be careful of hydrogen cyanide poisoning. Right. Now, in severe cases, you could have some seizure activity. And obviously, the heart stops, and, uh, you know, you die. Now, we will say in, in extreme cases as well, uh, respiratory arrest, because... It's because the inability to exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide effectively. So that's not a good thing. No. And so we're talking acute, high doses. What about chronic over a long mm -hmm. period of time? Even just little bits over a long period of time can have neurological effects, right? Chronic exposures uh, can have the same effects on the nervous system, leading to the headaches, the dizziness, the memory problems, and the difficulties concentrating, all things that I take methylphenidate for on a regular basis. Very nice. and. With uh, prolonged contact with it, such as industrial processes or whatever, you can get skin irritation, rashes, or dermatitis. Low levels over a long period of time, they can affect your breathing, resulting in chronic respiratory systems, persistent cough, shortness of breath, and an irritation of the airway. Uh, of course, you have your nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and lower digestive disturbances over time. Changes in your blood pressure, heart rate, irregular, irregular, wow, <laughs> bad heartbeat. <laughs> yes, bad. It's, bad. You know what this sounds like? Any uh, medicine commercial that you're like, what is this thing for? It's just okay. constant. There was a there was a, a commercial back in like the nineties uh, for a stock trading where the, the it was oh, a yes. Do you remember that? And yes. the guy was watching TV and the the, the medicine is like a, a condition known as hot dog figures. Seeing the dead, your children being born with the head of a golden retriever. And he like he starts <laughs> dumping the stock. Very funny commercial. But yeah. Uh, again, long term weight loss. Okay, and uh, don't do this as, as, you know, this is not Wegovy or anything like that. Extended experience, exposure to this can unintended weight loss due to gastrointestinal issues and metabolic changes. Yeah, psychological symptoms, right? So maybe all those crazy people you come in contact with, maybe they're not crazy. Maybe they've just been exposed to hydrogen cyanide. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and vision. You got to have the vision problems, you know, visual disturbances, eye irritation. You're not tripping. You're on hydrogen cyanide. All right. So what is happening when people are trying to generate the hydrogen cyanide? Because understanding how it's being generated, uh, if it's not like a cylinder release, that could help us try to mitigate or stop some kind of a system that's producing it and getting people sick, right? The reactions to these precursors, like we said, they often involve cyanide salts uh, and other organic materials that are going to release it in quantities. And these reactions can be driven by temperature, by pH, and by concentration. So by changing any one of those things, we may be able to slow down the release or stop it altogether. Or make it worse. Oh, oh, oh yeah, or make it worse. Yeah. That's, that's a good point, too. <laughs> Always remember that you have the potential to really fuck the situation up. Yeah, you're like, what, what, why do I cut? And then that wire could blow you up. <laughs> like right. It's maybe not the movies, you know. So, <laughs> so safe handling and disposal, uh, neutralization, 
Unlike hydrogen sulfide, the reaction doesn't necessarily require an acid to liberate the compounds required to come together to create hydrogen cyanide. The general recommendation in neutralizing or rendering it safe is to allow it to go to completion. That is contra what a lot of people say is, oh, I throw my pH in there and this stuff typically will be in a basic solution. Let me put my acid on. And by throwing your weak acid on, you are liberating hydrogen cyanide gas. So this is one of those right. ones. Like, how do I know it's that one? You don't. You don't. You don't. Just be happy it's not producing it anymore. Uh, or even dilution. Right? We could, we could turn around and dilute a lot of these chemical reactions and at the very least slow down that reaction. But for the most part, we're going to have to understand that in situations like this, evacuation is going to be needed. Um, there's a, a couple of industrial situations in which they're able to neutralize the formation mm -hmm. of hydrogen cyanide uh, with a solution like, hydro, um, like bleach, right? Uh, hypochlorites. So yeah. the addition of the hypochlorite basically renders the hydrogen cyanide, it turns it into a non-toxic uh, compound and hydrochloric acid and aqueous solution. Uh, but that would only be able to stop the gas that has already been generated. You're not going to be able to actually stop the production inside the reactant vessel. Right. So, you know, like with that, sometimes, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would even take a step to do it because there is the potential of making it worse. Absolutely. I would say... You know, I would say probably just try to contain it by uh, tarping it or capping it or or maybe pushing it. I don't know. But you, you two things that you got you to think about is your respiratory protection, your chemical resistance suits. Um, your respiratory, I don't really see it being a big deal. Of course, you got ca cartridges, but why put on a cartridge when you could put on your SCBA or not be there? Yeah. Right. Just let it grow, you know, like let it do its thing. As far as your CPC, again, if you're not interacting or have any potential for a splash, then just stand back and let it do its thing. But if you must go up there to put a tarp on it or whatever it is, I would definitely think about upgrading to, uh, you know, some type of a splash suit, whatever, it, you know, is compatible with it. But it's what was the one that uh, Mubakar's was that the one was that this? Mubakars. What's Mubakar? Uh, remind me, I'm, I'm, it's not ringing it was a bell. A, it was a device that could generate, I want to say hydrogen cyanide. It was like a drum. It was, it was a very popular thing maybe 10, 15 years ago about a, uh, 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 a terrorism thing. It was a generator. I, I can't remember if it was for hydrogen sulfide or if it was hydrogen cyanide, but we'll look that up. I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway. Well, let's just finish this up. You know, facing a couple of our friends, facing chemical spills, waste disposal, uh, environmental changes, SMR response offers the expert solutions. Reaches, reach them in Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina, 800-248-5816 or smrrapidresponse.net. Besides us, there's not a lot of people I can say this about. Um, Industrial Emergency Council is by far one of my favorite training companies that are out there. Uh, we love working with them on, on a regular basis. They are not-for-profit, led by experts, providing very diverse emergency response training. They have almost 40 years of experience doing so. They collaborate with fire departments, public agencies, militaries, and the private sector. Uh, visit IECtraining.org to learn more or give them a ring at 650 508 9008.